welcome to a show where you will hear about how our liberty is being eroded by the very people that swear an oath to protect it. Today, the president signed a big new anti-terrorism bill that would expand the government's ability to track down terrorists, but at some cost. On this show, we will discuss many of the lies that the government, the government that hates us, by the way, we will discuss the lies that the people in positions of power and influence spread every day. And what is the best way to confuse children? Confuse them about their sexuality, confuse them about their gender, expose them to things that their little brains are not ready for yet. That is how they are confusing children. It is leading to chaos. And big daddy government, of course, can be there to pick, up, pick us all up and take care of us at the end of it. We will also talk about how current elected leadership at all levels of government has been corrupted by power and control, as well as discuss the types of leadership needed to correct our republic's course. We the people. Well, it's time to remember that we the people are the government. Providing assistance for the Ukrainians to defeat the Russians, that's the number one priority for the United States right now. I am your host, Larry Linton, retired U.S. Navy Command Master Chief and prior Tennessee House of Representatives District 12 candidate, and welcome to the Liberty Leadership and Lies podcast. Welcome to this week's show, ladies and gentlemen. Breaking with the norm of being in the Goat Locker studio, I'm coming to you from the road somewhere near Ardmore, Oklahoma. We are on the topic of lies for this episode. In this episode, the lies we will talk about hit really close to home for us Tennesseans, which I will get to in a minute. I hope you all enjoyed the interview with Tina Tobin. What a fantastic servant leader. Am I right? I hope to have her back on the show sometime later this year, as well as other members of the Tennessee Liberty Network. In addition to them, I want to have members of the Sumner County Constitutional Republicans on the show. Those two groups of people appear to be getting things done here in Tennessee. I'm also still working to get the other two interviews scheduled pretty soon, and we'll let you know when that happens. More than likely, they will not be for a couple of weeks, as I'm out on the road executing one of my consulting contracts. As for the lies that hit really close to home, well, of course, they are coming from elected members of our Tennessee General Assembly. More specifically, from the two representatives in the Tennessee House that represent Sevier County. Yes, I'm talking about Representative Andy Farmer and my former campaign rival, Representative Dale Carr. There is a bit of good news concerning Representative Carr's actions on the bill we'll be talking about, and we'll get to that in a bit as well. Anyway, their actions specifically deal with House Bill 883 a bill that would not only water down Tennessee's Human Life Protection Act, but in the words of Mr. Paul Linton, no relation that I know of so far, but according to constitutional lawyer Paul Linton, House Bill 883 entirely rewrites state law, meaning it rewrites Tennessee's trigger law that is titled the Human Life Protection Act. That law went into effect when the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade and sent the abortion matter back to the states, where it actually belongs in our constitutional republic. Anyway, this new bill, 883, essentially rewrites our current life-affirming and protecting law, and in essence, creates an abortion law that would be unenforceable. Meaning, 
the language contained in that bill can be so loosely interpreted that the Human Life Protection Act would become null and void. Here in Tennessee, many of our current members of the so-called GOP supermajority in the General Assembly, they seek out Tennessee Right to Life endorsements for their campaign. Well, the election is months behind us now, so many of these weak principled politicians are backing out of their promised pro-life positions because they're not up for re-election for almost two years. Included in the vast numbers of right-to-life endorsed candidates in the General Assembly are Mr. Andy Farmer and Mr. Dale Carr. Both of them are, or were, co-sponsors on 883. Representative Carr must have seen the writing on the wall, or he did what representatives are supposed to do and listen to their constituents and not the lobbyists or political party leadership, and he has since removed his sponsorship from the bill. So we have to give credit where credit is due, and we have to thank Dale for doing the right thing here in the middle of this legislative battle. It remains to be seen if this bill makes it out of committee and then onto a full floor vote. If that happens to be the case, the politicians will have to go on record by voting for or against making this bill the law here in Tennessee. That's why I said we are in the middle of the battle on this piece of legislation. So, on the program today, we'll be talking to Mrs. Angela Madden, Tennessee Right to Life Vice President, about hers and her organization's efforts to defeat this garbage legislation. This will be a two-part episode and very important to share with your family, friends, neighbors, and co-workers. I say that because it's not just about protecting the most innocent among us, unborn children, because that is the primary function of government to secure the people's liberty, to secure their right to life, and that includes unborn children, but it is also about holding elected officials accountable for their lies. The lies they tell to get themselves elected or re-elected. The lies they tell with impunity because of the apathy of the people in the districts they are supposed to represent. Before we get into the interview with Angela, we will pause for a word from the show's sponsor, Anchor.fm. We'll pick back up on the other side of the commercial by going directly to the interview. So, I'll see you all on the other side. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're welcoming now to the podcast Miss Angela Madden, the Vice President for the Tennessee Right to Life. And Angela... Welcome to the show, and if you can give us a little brief background or history on yourself and what you've been doing here lately in the state of Tennessee, the audience would sure appreciate it. Sure, Larry. First, thank you so much for letting me join you this evening. What a great opportunity to talk about Tennessee and our legislation and how we can protect more babies and their moms. Um, Like you said, my name is Angela Madden, and I am the Vice President for Tennessee Right to Life. I'm also the Delegate to the National Right to Life Committee in Washington, D.C., so I get to represent this fine state um, at the national level, and I'm always so honored to do it. Um, 
I've been in this position for a couple of years, but have a history working with other pro-life organizations, including um, many years ago, I started with the Knoxville chapter of Tennessee Right to Life and started working with the Duns and uh, have just enjoyed this opportunity to serve Tennesseans and the Lord, really, um, in this position I'm also the director of our Parents' Day Out program at my church, and so two days a week, I get to spend my time with sweet little reflections of the Father and just um, work with great other teachers who love the Lord and love these little kids. It's a real sweet spot in my week. Sounds wonderful. Of course, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the lies that uh, politicians regularly speak, and it's really come to the forefront here in Tennessee the last couple of weeks with this House Bill 883. Can you give us a little brief rundown on how this all started? Sure. So I'm going to take your listeners back just a little bit to sort of set the stage. Uh, but, you know, in 1973, pro, uh, pre-Roe v. Wade, Tennessee was a pro-life state. Our laws protected the unborn and their moms. And then the tyranny of the black robes and down came Roe versus Wade, and it changed things here in Tennessee. And we were required to follow an unconstitutional ruling that made abortion legal here in the state. Tennessee Right to Life was birthed just about that time from a group of ladies at a kitchen table that said, we've got to do something. We know this is wrong. We know this is evil. So what can we do? And they put together this little organization that's continued to grow since that time. And since 1973, Tennessee Right to Life has passed over 30 pieces of pro-life legislations to try and protect moms and their babies as far as Roe v. Wade would allow us. And that includes laws like informed consent so a woman would know what she was actually facing and the risks involved in an abortion. Um, parental consent so that children couldn't be given abortions without the consent of a mom. Uh, 48-hour waiting periods so that because this is such an incredibly uh, powerful and life-changing decision um, take that, to take that 48 hours and really give the woman an opportunity to think through this decision. You know, literally, it is life and death. And so we worked um, with our legislature and passed those laws, and that's where we were until June 24th of last year when, praise the Lord, uh, the Dobbs decision came down and Roe v. Wade was overturned. So abortion legislation came back to the states. And of course, we were, we and all pro-life people in the United States were delighted to see this return to our state. Here in Tennessee, we were prepared. Uh, In 2019, we had passed the Human Life Protection Act, which said that if Roe was overturned in part or in full, we would revert back to our 1973 laws. And so once again, abortion became illegal here in Tennessee. And so, you know, that that was a really good thing. That happened in August. It's also referred to as our trigger bell. And then we got to elections and 
94% of Tennessee Right to Life's endorsed candidates won. So once again, we're going into a legislative session and we have a super majority and Rose overturned and our trigger law is in place. And well, then things changed. And uh, some of the folks that had previously been on our side, several of the legislators who had been endorsed by Tennessee Right to Life decided that uh, the Human Life Protection Act needed changing and proposed uh, Senate or House Bill 883, which does not clarify the Human Life Protection Act. It weakens the law. And so that's where we sort of sit um, now. It It's a really bad piece of legislation because it leaves the decision to the doctors and their reasonable medical judgment or good faith medical judgment um, and the law is written in such a way that it doesn't protect babies. It actually provides loopholes for abortionists uh, to perform an abortion. And and I think it's really important um, that we stop for a minute and say, okay, what does that word mean? It's just not a medical procedure. It's the intentional killing of an unborn child. It is not like an epidectomy. It's, you know, not like knee surgery. It really is killing a baby. And so I think it's important to just stop and remember that in this discussion. Absolutely. And uh, ever since Roe v. Wade did come down, I believe that abortion was primarily, you could hear all these arguments in the public sphere about its its health care for women, its reproductive rights. And I don't understand how you can attach the word reproductive right to something that kills the effect of reproduction. But that's the mental acuity of the people that we are up against. The whole idea when, you know, my body by choice, no, it, it's not your body. It's it's a little one that uh, lives within you that is 100% dependent on you. Um, but that that's not your body. Uh, completely different DNA, um, many types, many times completely different blood type, different genders. Uh, so the whole argument has been very wrong. They certainly never followed the science uh, from the very beginning. What I believe is they ended up using it as a form of birth control, as a way to take away the responsibility for being irresponsible. Because you'll see all these arguments that, oh, what about rape? I mean, these primarily these arguments that open up the current legislation in many states to, hey, let's put exceptions in there for rape and incest. But those exceptions, even though you're punishing an unborn baby for something that happened, but it's still, that is even a small percentages of all the abortions in the United States that are ever performed, minuscule even. Right. We know that um, at the least 97% of abortions are just, as you refer to it as birth control, there is no um, other medical necessity and the other exceptions are rape and incest, but those are very small. Um, I would argue though that those babies need to be protected just like any other baby from the point of conception, human life, it's alive, it's human, it needs to be protected. And so, um, yeah, it, it has definitely been used as birth control. And I think that's primarily why they want to want to keep it going because it it absolves them of responsibility 
for irresponsible behavior. But let's let's get back to the uh, the General Assembly here in Tennessee. Uh, the Wednesday, the committee meeting. Uh, obviously, the bill was up for uh, debate in the committee, and it got kicked down the road mainly because I think all those people that are on the committee were feeling the heat. So, I mean, how could you talk for an hour and a half about a budget item? (laughs) Well, they seem to be very involved in that report um, from the health department. But, you know, this bill is supposed to address the problems with the Human Life Protection Act. And the Human Life Protection Act provides a clear path to protect the life of the mother um, or permanent damage to a major bodily function. It is there, and it's through the affirmative defense, and that is different than an exception. But we've had an affirmative defense and a protective law uh, in the state since 2017 with our post-viability ban, which says that after 20 weeks you can't perform an abortion. Uh, And we've had that law in the books since 2017, and no doctor has ever been charged or convicted, uh, and so this cry that doctors are going to, they can't perform medicine, um, and that they're going to be charged with a crime is ridiculous. We also know that over 900 babies a month are being saved through the Human Life Protection Act, so we know that it is also working. Um, there are three other states that have uh Affirmative Defense Human Life Protection Acts, uh, Kentucky, Ohio, and Texas. And so we know that the way the original law was written uh, is working just as intended. Now, we've all heard the lies from the administration down that these kinds of laws won't allow a woman to get treated for topic pregnancies for miscarriage care or for the birth of a stillborn baby which is absolutely ridiculous those treatments have never been elective abortions Uh, an ectopic pregnancy is a pregnancy outside of the uterus it's not viable and it always threatens the life of the mother We know that that law was never intended and couldn't be used to prosecute a doctor for that. We also know that, you know, miscarriage, that's a baby who's already died. And so this law does not say you can't care for a mom whose baby has already died. I mean, it is ridiculous uh, to say that that is the focus of this bill or even the unintended purpose. So we really believe that the Human Life Protection Act is... a a great law and does exactly what it was intended to do. Now, are we open to clarification? Yes. If they wanted to put in the law that this does not affect ectopic pregnancies, women who have suffered a miscarriage or are delivering a stillborn baby, we would be fine with that. We would not oppose it because the intent of the law remains the same. It's to protect unborn babies and their moms. We are not willing to weaken the law. And House Bill 883 very much weakens the law. it allows for, it rewrites code, Tennessee code that we already have on the books, including our con- informed consent law. Um, it does away in certain circumstances with the 48-hour waiting period. One of the most disconcerting things is that it allows for abortions to be done to prevent medical emergencies, not treat 
medical emergencies, but to prevent them. Um, and we believe in our uh, constitutional attorney believes that this could be used to justify uh, just about every abortion um, that you could, you know, do, because if you don't have to prove that something is going to happen or has happened, then there's really no legal way to stop it. When I was reading through the bill, I saw this word reasonable through, throughout it. Most Americans should come to the understanding that the word reasonable within the medical profession has resulted in the loss of rights and humans' sovereign control over their own bodies for the last three years. Clarifications such as what you already talked about, those are fine, but the, they put in that word reasonable everywhere. And I believe it is on purpose. I would say so because I do believe it provides those loopholes for those who do want to justify the killing of unborn children. And some of the other language in it, medically futile pregnancy or a lethal fetal anomaly, those things are not previously in our laws. They're not well defined. And once again, they give gray areas to doctors that want to perform abortions and and I don't want to disparage the entire medical community, but I do want to say that every abortionist is a doctor who has been trained in OBGYN. So I think it is appropriate to say, no, we, we don't trust the reasonable medical judgment of those folks. You know, the affirmative defense part about it, I, I just find it now, this is combining two different combining two different defenses of a law that General Assembly is perfectly fine with, and now they want to change it. For example, Tennessee's constitutional carry that was passed in last year, or year before last by the General Assembly, is really just an affirmative defense for a permitless carry. It's not constitutional carry, but they are okay with an affirmative defense in that law for that right, that constitutionally protected right, they're not fine with an affirmative defense in the Human Life Protection Act because where's the big money? You know, a, abortion provider, abortion industry is a big money industry. Oh, a billion dollar industry across the United States. I, I think it's also really important to, to sort of give your listeners an idea of who sides uh, you know, who's taking which side when it comes to this bill? So who are we, Tennessee Right to Life? We've been around, like I said, for um, uh, for 50 years. Um, we're a very reliable pro-life organization. All those 30 pieces of pro-life protection uh, were supported, endorsed, and, and written and presented by Tennessee Right to Life. Um, we have a long history of being focused on protecting unborn babies and their moms. And so we're on this side. Now, who, who are they? Who are those other folks? Well, uh, House Bill 883 was supported, written uh, by the TMA and hospital lobbyists. They are not known as pro-life organizations. They never supported or lobbied for uh, informed consent, the 48-hour waiting period, the post-viability ban, even the Abortion Pill Reversal Act, they didn't support. So they have also a long history, but it's not one for being pro-life. On their website, 
this year one of their legislative priorities is to change the trigger law but i think the most uh, telling phrase is the last one and it says other changes are needed in the law so physicians can feel safe addressing fetal anomalies and other common pregnancy complications Uh, that again doesn't sound like i want to save the life of the mother nope it sounds like they are just trying to watch my language here because it is a family-friendly show but these these people that are just bent on killing babies is it's it boggles my mind and it's all for money it really is all for money because well, first, let me apologize to all the listeners for all this background noise. I am in a in a hotel in Ardmore, Oklahoma, and there's 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 all kinds of stuff going on right now. <laughs> but I, again, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and doing this while I'm out on the road. But these the sponsors of this bill. Let's uh, let's talk a, a little bit about that, like the the chief sponsor and the co sponsors. Can you yeah. can you elaborate on because it. Most of the sponsor or co-sponsors of the bill were Tennessee Right to Life endorsed candidates. Yeah, I, I, I'm still baffled um, by why this legislation uh, has gotten the footing that it has. We know that Speaker Sexton has been driving this, and that this is one of his legislative priorities for the year. Uh, it, you know, he is a Republican and he is supposed to be pro-life and this legislation certainly isn't. The other thing that I wish that some of these Republicans would just step back and take a moment and think about is that Clemens, a representative from the Nashville area who is one of the most pro-abortion Democrats in the General Assembly, voted for this in the uh, subcommittee, the human population subcommittee. Um, he also is a co-sponsor of his own bill this year called the Fundamental Right to Reproductive Health Act, which removes all criminal offenses related to abortion. So that's the other side. And we've had these Republicans who have been citing um, voting with Clemens. That should be an indication right away that this is not a good law, that this is not a pro-life law. Yeah, for a long time now, I've been calling the uh, the people that get elected as a Republican, but actually mm-hmm. don't legislate as Republicans, I call them trans-publicans. You know, they identify as one thing to get elected, and then they behave completely differently. It, sometimes not beha- completely. Sometimes they are on the side of good conservative pieces of legislation, but core conservative pieces of legislation having to do with constitutionally protected rights, inalienable rights from our creator, such as life, they are often on the other side of that. And it, again, I, I deal with this quite frequently on this program, is, is, is the apathy of the people. Are they really investigating these people and looking at their voting records? Right. So, you know, last week this bill did come be for the subcommittee in health called the human population subcommittee which is a brand new subcommittee this year uh speaker sexton put this 
subcommittee together and he put these people on it to deal specifically um, with abortion related issues and many of our Republican friends uh, are co-sponsors of this and when it came to a vote last week the only no recorded um, was Dr. Brian Terry and how grateful we are to him for standing up and saying no Um, and that's why it was supposed to be heard in front of the House Full Health Committee uh, this week. Some of the co-sponsors uh, dropped out or moved their names. And because they did that, I want to make sure that I give them credit because that is usually not done. I believe that they took a moment and reflected on the truth, maybe read this bill a little deeper. Because, you know, we only had 24 hours before it came to the subcommittee and then just a week before it came to the full committee. So Representative White out of the Memphis area removed his name and Representative Carr also removed his name for this bill. And to both of those people, we're really grateful because we know that it takes great courage to do that. Absolutely, yeah. And many of my listeners know I ran against Mr. Dale Carr in the last general election, and I'll be the first to tip my hat for him to actually stepping back from his original co-sponsorship of this thing and actually standing for the most innocent among us. I mean, that's that's what we expect out of of elected leaders, regardless of the political side of the spectrum. People just need to understand that when you go into elected office, you, you're in a servant leadership position. And what you're supposed to do, what government's sole or what government's primary responsibility is, is to secure the liberty of the people. That's its, And it, everything else is subordinate to that. And they have to do that within the confines of the Constitution. So when they when they take a step back, like Representative Carr is, I'm, I'm going to send him a text tonight thanking him for doing what he did, but when they take a step back and they actually listen to their constituents, they understand their role, they realize, uh, I'm pretty sure that he looked looked over his oath of office and said he can't do anything injurious to the people. Killing babies is injurious to people, and it's in their oath that they can't do that. So, yes, kudos to Dale Carr for what he's done, and and Representative White for what they've done in taking a, taking a firm stand on principles. It's, it's very rare that elected officials do that nowadays. So, yes, we were, we were incredibly grateful for that. And so that brings us up really to yesterday. And so it was supposed to go to the full House Health Committee. And we were there, Larry, uh, we were in between two rows of young professional women, pro-abortionist. It it, it was really heartbreaking and, um, oh gosh, overwhelming to be around so many young professional medical women who believe that abortion is the right thing to do. Uh, They were wearing buttons that said, we love reproductive rights, which really is just another way to say we love abortion because, you know, that's code language for it. And then they had signs, um, several signs, but one of them that caught mine was, you know, let doctors be doctors. And in another 
a really important case or uh, legislation before the General Assembly. They were holding those same signs, and it was the whole mutilation of children and gender identity. So once again, just because you wear a white coat doesn't mean you wear a white hat, right? Absolutely true. Well, how was that so far, ladies and gentlemen? We'll continue next week with part two or the rest of the interview with Angela. But that is it for this week's show. In closing, we have this week's wisdom from God's Word, and it comes to us from Proverbs 14, 5. An honest witness does not deceive, but a false witness pours out lies. For far too long we, that is you and me, and every other legal voter in our state and in our nation, for far too long we have allowed the political class, the new aristocracy, that serve in elected office, bear false witness to the people they are supposed to serve. We only have ourselves to blame for our political system getting to the point it is at currently, but we need to turn it around, and we need to ensure elected officials become the honest witness they are supposed to be by holding them accountable at the ballot box. We all need to participate in our system of self-governance, Doing so will help put an end to the lies or the false witness the new aristocracy tells us. Heck, in the long run, it will put an end to the new aristocracy. Thank you all for listening this week, and I pray that you enjoy the rest of your weekend. Until next week, stand in the arena with me. Reveille, it's time to wake up.